and welcome to Kiss Kiss Game Game, Uppercut's monthly gaming and relationships podcast. In this show, we sit down with a special guest each and every month to discuss a game, the relationships within the game, and how these stories relate to our own experiences. My name is Jess Cogswell. And I'm Andrew Cogswell. This month, we are joined by the editor-in-chief of Uppercut, our boss, and the first ever returning guest to Kiss Kiss Game Game, Caitlin Gullies Rowe. Hey! Hey! Welcome back, boss. It's funny, because last time we did this, I was not your boss. No, uh, you weren't. We talked. That was the first time we ever talked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was. (laughs) This was before your rise Uh, to power. Yep. This was before my meteoric uh, Disney-like ascension to power. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Where Uh, I've just been slowly incorporating all of my friends' good projects into my okay project. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Uppercut rules. Now, I need Uh, fan art now of uh, Caitlyn as Mickey Mouse. Yep. Oh, no. Um, We need uh, Kayla (laughs) as um, Kevin Feige. (laughs) Um, Jessica, who would we be? Um, you know what I think we would be? I think that maybe we're Fox because we're bringing like the X-Men or something. Okay, sure. Why not? Okay. Because, so, like, I don't know, because I don't think we're Star Wars. No. No. I, so, but like, so the X-Men are really fucking weird, right? Like, I think the movies don't even, like, display how weird the X-Men actually are. Oh, the movies are like so vanilla compared yeah. to the X-Men. They are so <laughs> okay, if, vanilla. If we want to get really like vain with it, we could say we're Fox because uh the Fantastic 4 and we're the first family of the internet. That's hey. true oh my we God. are. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's better than the X-Men analogy. No offense. Okay. No. Okay, that's that's fine. That's fine. Do whatever you want to do. I'm support us. I support us flexing <laughs> on everyone. Honestly, <laughs> we deserve it. Oh, uh, all right, boss, it's okay. So, so, uh, Caitlin, you're really good yes. at elevator pitches. Uh, uh-huh. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, real quick, before we we go into this a little more? Because so, if for some reason you don't know who Caitlin is, which I don't even know how that would be possible at this point. Like, oh, unless you're somebody who's just new to Uppercut as a whole, but I just feel like if you interact with Andrew and I, Caitlin is just there because Caitlin it's is... It's true. We're like a bundle We're a thruple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Caitlin is my hetero um, life partner. It's true. Yeah. I just wanted to like reiterate because I said if you don't know who Caitlin is, like, and this like really shit, that's not how I meant it. I just meant it'd be very strange to me if you knew Andrew and I and did not know Caitlin, because it's a package deal. Um, yes. But Caitlin, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Uppercut, which is the website this podcast is now through. Uh, we do several other podcasts, and we write shit. Um, I am a thembo, which is like a himbo but non-binary um i am a resident white claw enthusiast uh i am dumb online pretty much constantly um amen yeah and i cry at cute animals um that's that's Uh, the main the main points i think i think we've got the most important one though oh no b-movie stan Oh, that's true. I I am here for it. I am. I don't even know that I'm a B movie stan so much as I'm just deeply obsessed with it. 
because it's like not in like a way where I'm like this is really good but in a way of like this is the most bizarre thing I've ever encountered in my life and I now need to set my whole life to just figuring it out yeah okay <laughs> what's the name of the B&B movie the the main one Barry what, what? it's Barry Barry, Barry, Barry is the is the main B Barry Benson yeah Barry Benson Barry sorry. Benson yeah. so Caitlin is a Barryologist yeah oh my god true. Anyway, that is the behavior true. of Barry Benson. Um, but anyway, thank you, Caitlin, for telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am now going to talk a little bit about the show because um, you guys might be at home wondering, like, returning, like, Caitlin is the first returning guest. The show happened before. What? I've never seen it on Uppercut. Um, that's because Kiss Kiss Game Game is something that Andrew and I started a couple years ago. Um, it's kind of just like a a project we were doing before uppercut um before we were really doing any sort of collaborative work with like i don't anyone? know I, 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 anyone <laughs> yeah i was gonna say, I, I was gonna say like anybody like on twitter that you might see around but i i don't i don't know how to word that um but it was it was something that we were doing um it's kind of how we got our start in this what's the word i'm looking for yes i don't know but it's something we were doing um we really loved the show life ended up happening we got really busy show went on hiatus uh we weren't really sure when we were going to be bringing it back but once we started working at uppercut we were like hey this is a really cool like avenue i guess to do that once we have Mm -hmm. some free time once things are a little bit more established um so now we're doing it uh we decided we're going to bring it back on valentine's day and caitlin who is now our editor-in-chief um who is responsible for creating uppercut the avenue through which this is brought to you um is our first returning guest and it's it's really cool to have caitlin back on here i feel like that show is also just kind of how we became closer friends with caitlin um that was the Mm -hmm. first time like yeah that was the first time we all like actually spoke to one another um Mm -hmm. and the rest is history now even jessica and i we hadn't spoke to each other ever yeah. Before that episode, despite being engaged. <laughs> I like, I was just like, hey, you have off. you have my last name. Let's do this show together. Ka- Caitlin is literally the ties that bind Jessica and I. Yes. It's Which true. is actually, I, I say true. that, but I lie because we didn't have the same last name at that point because we got no, married we a year ago. After. Yeah, a little over After a year ago. that happened. That's part of the reason yeah. for the hiatus is because we had a whole ass wedding that we had to do. Yeah um those are stressful (laughs) yeah um so on each episode uh we ask the guests to bring a game and a theme or idea to talk about in relation to the game so caitlin what'd you bring for us today i brought shocker another gay visual novel (laughs) what um you don't even like those caitlin because i'm nothing if not consistent (laughs) that's not true i'm very chaotic um but yeah, so I brought Heaven Will Be Mine, which is a gay visual novel set in an alternative uh, 1984 uh, about space and shit, and it is by Worst Girl Games, and uh, it's dope. Yeah. It is dope. Um, so I guess let's talk a little bit about uh, Worst Girls Games. Um, Caitlin, did you want to talk a little bit about them, or do you want me to take over for you? I can do it. Um, so, Worst Girl Games is a very small indie studio that makes 
queer visual novels. Um, the one that they kind of got super famous for was um, We Know the Devil, which is about uh, three kids at a Christian summer camp who are sent out into the woods to fight the devil. And you never really know if it's, like, literally Satan or a metaphor, and the game kind of leans into that not knowing. Um, And it's dope. And that's kind of where the art style started for what would become Heaven Will Be Mine. Um, And so then Heaven Will Be Mine is now kind of... um, I interviewed Worst Girl Games at PAX West last year, And they were kind of talking to me about the fact that, like, they wanted to, with uh, We Know the Devil, they wanted to make something about, you know, being, like, a teenager and coming of age and queerness and stuff like that. But then with Heaven Will Be Mine, they wanted to focus on more, like, adult stories about queerness because we don't get a ton of those, especially in games. It's a lot of, like, coming of age stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to talk about, like, what it's like to be an adult and like what happens when you didn't expect to have a future and how that plays out. And, um, you know, talking about like messy relationships between like queer folks as adults and all that kind of stuff. Um, and AV said that that's kind of where they want to keep going. So whatever they put out next is probably going to be another more adult, like, not adult in, like, a sexy way, but, like, a, just, like, adult isn't, like, about adults. Yeah, like, subject matter. Or, like, uh, or, like, subjects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like, the characters and stuff are gonna be more of, yeah. like, people in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. <clears throat> um, real quick, I feel like we'd be remiss to say, or to not mention Pillow Fight Games as well. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're the publisher. Well, they're also, apparently also the developer, according to Wikipedia. Worst Girl Games was oh, the shit. developer just for the mobile port. Hmm. Oh, According to Wikipedia. So. Yeah, I don't know. Wikipedia, man. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Pillow Fight's dope, too. They put out a lot of good shit. Yeah. So. I just wanted to make sure we got our bases covered, you know? Yeah. Plug for our other show. Last month, Monty and I covered a different Pillow Fight game, Later Alligator, on our show Indie Mixtape, which you should listen to. You should. It's very good. Hell yeah. Indie Mixtape's awesome. So definitely listen to that. Especially if you like this show, because I feel like... I don't know. I don't know what we're going to like. I, the next few episodes of this we do have lined up mm-hmm. are indie games, but I don't know because we've done a lot of AAA stuff, too. So I was going to yeah. say, if you like this show, definitely check out Indie Mixtape because we cover indies here and they, we go way deeper into them over on Mixtape. But um, I don't know. We're going to be kind of all over the place. But for sure, the next few episodes are indies. So if you like those, check out Indie Mixtape because the yeah, also this month's Indie Mixtape going to be dope. We got a lot of. We got a lot of cool games from cool devs that we're going to cover. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm stoked. Um, it's a good show. Check it out. Yep. Um, anyway. Um, Heaven Will Be Mine. Yeah, so that's a little bit about Heaven Will Be Mine. Um, Heaven Will Be Mine is available on iOS, uh, Linux, uh, PC. You can get it on Itch. Um, and Mac. And Mac, yes, and Mac as well. Um, I don't, we didn't establish if it was on Android because we talked it's about not. that. And I, it's not yeah, on Android. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess apparently developing across like Android and iOS is like a fucking nightmare. That doesn't. Surprise I have me. heard that. So. Um. That that seems like that would track. Um. Yeah. Uh. Heaven will be mine. Dope iPad game. I will say. Yeah. It. I will say that. Like I played this on my iPhone, and the screen's a little small, and like it's not yes. optimized well for the iPhone screen because some of the text 
goes down below, like mm-hmm. where the screen gets off, and you can't scroll. So like I just didn't get to read some of the text. Yes, that up. happened yeah. to me as well. Is- so it's I would I would advise playing yeah, it heard- on PC or on an iPad or something like that. Something with a little bit wider screen than your phone. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's a little bit hard on like phone batteries too, but I was playing it on my iPad last night and it's like very dope on there. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of naturally leads us to something that we can talk about first then. Because the, the first thing that we talk about um, on the show, so we, we talked a little bit about the, I guess like the history of the game, I should say, um, as far as like the developers, um, you know, like where you can get it. But uh, let's talk about the game as a whole and kind of do a little bit of a baby review here. Uh, so we talked about how, how it looks and the UI in, of that game, I think is one of the coolest things about it. Um, it's very minimalistic. Uh, it definitely leans hard into like the mechy sci-fi ness. <laughs> I don't know uh, of yeah. the game. It's so. it's two the two big inspirations for this game were like like anime and manga based on mech. So like Evangelion and like Gundam. Yeah. Um, you stuff can like totally that. tell. And then. Yeah, and then also it's also very based heavily ba- uh god words. It's also very heavily based on like the kind of imaginings of what the sci-fi future was going to be during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. which you can also tell pretty heavily uh while you're playing. Yeah, like there's a lot of like visual influence it seems like also just from 80s sci-fi movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um like I see like alien in there i see you know predator stuff like that of just like the the how computers look and like the graphics they have and stuff like that um which is obviously like my jam i love 80s sci-fi movies um so like i loved that i love that that aesthetic nobody did it quite like 80s sci-fi movies no that's true that's true um oh don't fall my dog just almost fell off the bed um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she just like slowly started butt sliding Aww. off of the bed um, happens to the best of us you're dumb anyway <laughs> um it yeah it's just fucking dope it's also like cool seeing like the evolution from heaven will or not heaven will be mine sorry we know the devil where it's all black and white and like like the art style is similar but it's it looks more like sketches as mm-hmm. opposed to like like fully done art and that's like on purpose um and then moving to um moving to this where it's it's very cool colors the colors are all they're not pastel but they're like they because they are very saturated but they're all very like light and like Mm -hmm. like sunset tones a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um and it's just really dope yeah Something that I think is pretty cool, too, um, because I so I beat the game um, as Pluto, but I checked out uh, Lunaterra's and Saturn's and just kind of like went through the first like day or so. Um, Mm -hmm. And each character has kind of a different color palette, which is pretty. neat. Yeah. Yeah. That actually transitions really well into like how this game functions as a game. Um, So there's three characters you can choose to play as at the beginning. You get Pluto, uh, Lunaterra or Saturn. And the game kind of focuses on the interactions between them over the course of eight days and the conflict um, that arises between the three of them because they all work for three different, like, fighting factions. Um, 
And they all but have they history all... with each other, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But they all share a common... They went to the same academy. Um, they just had yeah. very different experiences and how they were treated and uh, growing up. And it led should to them we, like, having... Should we, like, summarize, like, what the game is kind of about? Yeah. Like, leading into this? I think probably. I think so. I think we probably should. Um, do yeah. you want one of us to do that? Or, Caitlin, do you want to take it? I'll do it. I feel um... like Caitlin's the best equipped to do it. <laughs> Yeah, so the whole so the whole thing is like it's basically like an alternate timeline where um during instead of like the Earth Cold War, we started having a cold war with what they call the existential threat, which is at one point was real aliens that like were maybe or maybe not threatening Earth. Um and so these kids started being trained to pilot mechs to fight the alien existential threat DLE. Um, and then because of that, there started being colonies in space and, you know, kind of conflicting feelings about whether or not humans should stay in space or not. And um, that's kind of how these three different factions arise, because the Memorial Foundation essentially closes down the space program and is like, no, fuck this. We're going back to Earth. Like, there's no point in continuing to be in space when we like are not handling our shit at home. Um, and then the celestial mechanics are kind of like, well, I guess it makes more sense to talk about Cradle's Graces first. The Cradle's Graces are like, absolutely not. Like, we want to keep a home in space. We don't want to go back. Their motto is literally, we're grateful for our Cradle's Graces, but we're never coming back. Hmm. Um, and then the celestial mechanics are kind of like, not a hybrid of the two, but like, they are basically kind of watching those two factions fight it out because they want to become something completely different and alien. And so they want to achieve that. That's like their goal. So they're just kind of letting the Memorial Foundation and the um, Cradle's Graces fight it out so that they can achieve their goal of sneaking into the gravity well and becoming like hella alien. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of like talk about... It's basically like the idea of gravity as something that holds things down and holds things together also applies to humanity and culture. So the idea that like if enough people say something is real, then it is. Um, and so that applies kind of like philosophically to space and as far as like, well, are the people who want to stay in space and who are raised in space, are they human because they weren't raised on Earth and they weren't bound by Earth's gravity and Earth's culture? Um and it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so that's kind of the main thing. And then Lunaterra was one of the first people to be chosen to pilot. Um, and then Saturn and Pluto were in later classes. And um, Saturn is, like, someone who was supposed to be really special but ended up kind of underachieving. And then Pluto is, like, a Ray on an, on an Yami. I don't know how to say her last name, but the special bitch from Evangelion. She's, like, uh, a her stand-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like massively powerful and very scary, but also a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and so then it's just, yeah, like them kind of interacting and dealing with their pasts and their like current feelings for each other and all that kind of shit. Um, one, I played through the game like Jessica as Pluto. Um, Mm -hmm. and one thing that I really enjoyed was the fact that like, for only having three different characters and each choice that you have to make in the different days there's only two options like Mm -hmm. there's a wealth of like replayability in this which yeah is which impressed me i wasn't expecting that um so i might 
I might actually go back and play through a couple of the other ones just to kind of check them out. Because um, I really yeah. li- I liked Pluto's narrative um, from what mm-hmm. I understood of it. Um, yeah. Which we'll get into later, but yeah. <laughs> I think that, like, I think that playing, uh, honestly, I think that playing as either Saturn or Lunaterra first kind of helps inform Pluto's storyline more. Because I, I was playing as Pluto last night, too, because I'd never done her route. I have only done Lunaterra and Saturn. Um, and I felt like I understood more of, like, where she was coming from and what was going on with her okay. after seeing uh, the interactions with Lunaterra and Saturn. Um, but something I really do like about the mechanic of it as a game is, like, the fact that, like, yeah, every day you go on missions and you get to you get to decide whether your faction wins or loses every encounter. Mm. Um, and I think it's really, really interesting as far as, like, like letting you decide if you win or lose and then, like, how that advances the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was talking to them about how they kind of decided to do that, they were talking about the fact that they wanted to, like, make all of them be real people so like yes they have convictions so that doesn't inherently mean that like they're they're just like blindly faithful to their side like if another character presented an argument that fit with their morals even if it didn't fit with their faction then like yes they're gonna go for it mm-hmm. um and so i thought that was like a really cool piece of like narrative design yeah and it also ties into the like the relationship that they had before the game even started um they understand they see it helps enforce the idea that they see each other as people um and they have a history and that they can be persuaded because they do know each other um as opposed to if you know again let's say a game like mass effect if somebody came up with like you're what you're doing is wrong okay well i don't really like buy that they they would fall for that and like change their beliefs because of that because it's just a random person um does that make sense like i like yeah no it makes sense yeah so i feel like it kind of reinforces the whole history between the three characters a lot Mm -hmm. um there's one real quick before because caitlin you were kind of talking about space and like the three different factions ideals about it um there's one quote i actually took a screenshot of because i really really liked it um and i think it kind of summarizes a lot of the game really well um it's from late in the game on Pluto's route, but it says space is boring. Space is empty. Space is broken. Space will never give us everything we want. Space is a hope that we, what we want to make real might already be out there. And I really enjoyed that quote because I love space. I love the idea of it. And that kind of just resonated with me that like, why do I like space? And it's the possibility like there's so many things out there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that quote because, like, the, I think the writing at points is really, really, really great. Like, really great. Um, but I have, I'm just going to kind of talk about it. We, um, I kind of had part, the problems with some of the delivery. Um, but, Caitlin, you said that playing as Lunaterra or Saturn makes Pluto's route make a little bit more sense. I think that's was my problem is because I played as Saturn first. Or I played as Pluto first. And I had a very hard time following what the fuck was going on. Yeah, which to be fair, I think that like starting as anybody, it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on because like it is very much like I don't want to say self-indulgent in a bad way because I don't think it's bad, but like Avi very clearly like had her own like plot plan for this and like her own ideas about space and like mm-hmm. what she was doing and her lore and she just kind of does it. Yeah. Um 
Which, like, so any of the routes that you start at first is kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but I think that, like, Saturn, I, I like, if I was going to do, like, a game facts, like, who should you play as first, I would definitely do Saturn, Lunaterra, and then Pluto. Okay. But I think, regardless, like, it's kind of confusing at the f- beginning just because, like, it's a little bit self-indulgent and, like, esoteric. Yeah. Um. The, that is exactly but, how I would describe it as well. Not necessarily in a bad way, but like it's and like I even talked to Andrew about this um, when we were just discussing the game after finishing up, and I was like, it it very much feels like Av, the woman who wrote it, knew exactly what they wanted to say, and like and like had this whole world mapped out, and just kind of assumed that whoever is playing is going to be able to jump in and keep up with it. Um, and like, I don't think that's necessarily bad because I think that, um, when you kind of like have that sort of immersive storytelling and world building, um, and you don't talk down or like feel like you have to overly explain to your audience, it kind of creates like a new, I don't know, the atmosphere of the game changes. And I think that it works in favor of, uh, heaven will be mine personally. But I will say that it was a deterrent at first for me because um, I tried playing this game like probably three different times before actually yeah, finishing it this time. Yeah, I've been screaming at Jess to play this game for like yeah. two years. Well, because every time that I started it, I just kind of got a little bit overwhelmed um, because I felt like mm-hmm. I, I was like, I don't quite understand like, you know, because it, it just even it's it's very poetic writing. Um, which I really like, but at the same time when you're starting, and I think that's the thing, right? Is when you approach like literature and there's something that's kind of like more poetic and esoteric, you're like, okay, I can get into this. Like, let me just keep going. But when you play a game, games are just kind of a different medium, obviously. And I feel like you're kind of anticipating getting a little bit more. So I felt like I kept going into this and I was like, humans are culture culture is gravity gravity is and, and like it, it does like a lot of that sort of stuff and you're just like what is happening right now yeah but if you stick with it and that's even what caitlin said because i i confessed this to caitlin i was like i just feel like i don't quite understand caitlin's like yeah it's a little bit like that but just like immerse yourself in it and go with it and if you do that it starts to make more sense as you play yeah, I, I enjoyed the game a lot more the more I played it. Um, at first, I you can even ask Jess, I was like, oh no, like, this is rough for <laughs> I me. thought Andrew like, was this, gonna hate it, yeah. This is not my kind of game at all, like, I think we all knew that going into it, but I love Caitlyn, and so I will do, I will go to the ends of the earth for them. Um, including into space, apparently. <laughs> um, the literal ends of the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the more I played it, the more I got comfortable with it, and the more my brain kind of wrapped itself around it, I, there's still parts of it that I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, but I think I got, I got there at the end. Um, and hearing that maybe it was just Pluto's route was not the best one to start with um, makes me feel a little bit more confident um, in the narrative experience as a whole. Because, um, yeah, the beginning, is, the beginning was really rough for me um yeah but like and i, I really I, got I do where... i do i do think it's rough regardless of where you start okay. i think you genuinely do just have to like get in there and immerse yourself in the bullshit mm-hmm. um but i think like yeah it's just and it, it may just be the way my brain works too because i feel like 
like getting all the reveals about Saturn leans heavily into the reveals about Lunaterra, which then leans heavily into the reveals about Pluto. Um, but yeah, I will say like, just no matter who you start with, it's going to be fucking confusing and weird at first. You say review reveals about each character. I'm like, I don't know what reveals there were. Like, I have no fucking idea. (laughs) I just kind of let it happen to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's like, and you kind of see more of like what the reveals are as you play through different routes. Okay. Um, like you get through more, you get more insight about like who they are and what they've been through and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah. And I think Pluto's is also hard for that too, because Pluto is very, very focused on Pluto and it's very focused on her relationship with Dr. Nix. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. whereas like with the other two, like all of them do have like someone in their faction that they have like a weird fucked up relationship with. Um, but Pluto and Dr. Nix is like a really weird, intense one in a way that's kind of all encompassing and that the other ones are less like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's a segue into the relationships part of this, but the relationships I think are like the most interesting part of this game. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think I'm pretty comfortable with segueing into like the the topic. Absolutely, me this. too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm right there um, with y'all. So the topic that Caitlin, well, we kind of brainstormed this one together, um, but we wanted to talk about the the messiness of relationships and having to deal with differing boundaries, histories, and beliefs. Um, God, this is a good game for that. Um, because yeah. kind of like what we mentioned earlier, the you can kind of pick whether your faction wins or loses. Um, each situation, and you can uh have your character be convinced by other people's beliefs if you so choose. And there is a lot of that in this game. So yeah, I think that's part of like I actually. Pluto, I think, is the best, like, indicator of that, because there's, she has actual dialogue with Saturn, where she says, like, convince me, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, she's, she'll Mm -hmm. say, like, I'll be on your side if you can convince me that that's, like, what I should be doing. Yeah. Which is, when uh, I was playing through, I was like, interesting. I wasn't expecting that, and it, like, it to be actually a mechanic, as opposed to a character just saying that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like even with uh, on Pluto's because what's funny is actually I feel like Pluto's route has a lot of that because um, mm-hmm. Pluto has that with Lunaterra too. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like whenever they're having their second encounter, it's either their second or first encounter. Um, they're talking and Pluto is just kind of like, "Hey, like if you tell me you did this for this reason, I'll think it's bullshit. But give me a real, like, actual reason, and like you know maybe I'll be with you here." Yeah. Like just basically, yeah, Pluto like Pluto's whole thing much, is Pluto's. Pluto's whole thing is very much like she still cares about both of these people a lot, and like she's very set in what she thinks is right. But if the other ones can explain to her why they think something is right, then she's like willing to like be open to that. Yeah, yeah. Pluto is a is a fairly open character, and I think that you that's even kind of reflected in like the like little personality assessments at the beginning when you select a character it's like uh pluto's mm. dislikes trying not to have any yeah and maybe that's why i picked Pluto... pluto's because i'm a libra bitch well i told you pluto since i started playing this game pluto has always reminded me of you uh um, god i can and... see that shit yeah <laughs> like the way she looks 
it's like a very Jess aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, her personality is very much like she's trying to do her best. She's trying to like live up to the expectations of the people around her. She has very strong like connections to the other two pilots and she still cares about them deeply, even though like they have all of this baggage. Um, God damn it, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Ever, like, I think that was the first thing I told Jess when I was playing this game, was I was like, Pluto is you. Mm. And then Saturn is me, because I'm also a dumb gay disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Saturn's bio is probably one of my favorites, though. It's like fighting style, button mashing, bedroom style, button mashing. It's good stuff. I took a screenshot of that and sent it to Caitlin and said, oh, this is like gay gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's honestly the characters and like that's something so the actual way that the narrative of the game is delivered it might be a little obtuse at at points but i think that the dialogue between characters i love um Mm -hmm. it's all very conversational it's all like bantery without being obnoxiously bantery um and it makes you feel like, at least for me, I was like, oh, yeah, like, these people know each other. Like, they have relationships. They, like, it, it seems very natural. Yeah. I think that they do a really great job of depicting that, like, these are people who have a past. Yeah, um, for And sure. a past that's very complicated. Um, I, I wish that, I don't think y'all have seen it, but one of my favorite things in any game like one of my favorite scenes in games is in this game where there's a fight between Saturn and Lunaterra and it a lot of this game is like about like having sex and using that like the mechs as um like metaphors for that um and there's a scene between Lunaterra and Saturn um and I can't remember you have to it's when you're playing as Saturn and you have to choose to either win or lose and I don't remember which one I chose but it's this like very intimate scene between Lunaterra and Saturn where Saturn like gets like like pins Lunaterra and then like gets out of her mech and gets into Lunaterra's mech. And it's like very tense because it's like, are they going to bang? Are they going to kill each other? <laughs> what is going to happen? And like, it's just really evocative of what this game does well, I think. God, I should pull up. Um, There was this piece that I read and I might cut this out and and like. I don't know. Or maybe I'll just keep this all in here as I search for this. But, like, it was an interview with uh, the team talking about was it Heaven Will Be Rock, Mine. Paper, Shotgun one? Yes, I believe it was. Um, the Alice Bell one? Yes. Um, where they were talking about... Oh, the writer, yes, it's Alice Bell, the writer of Heaven Will Be Mine and how she made uh, 2018's most interesting game. I will put that in the uh, show notes. But what I wanted to talk about, I guess, as we were talking about, um, you know, the the getting out of the mech and getting into the other one and kind of the tension there and um, I guess like boundaries and bodies maybe is like Mm -hmm. the category that i would um put all of this in um they quoted what's funny is so i'm using this article to quote another person uh but austin walker's friends at the table uh i guess where he Mm -hmm. says we could have made them look like anything but we made them look like us in uh reference to the mechs and i think Mm -hmm. in this game it's such like and like they even say it's a very intentional choice because 
like in in this game violence and being physical is essentially the same it's it's the line between like violence and intimacy is kind of blended in this game Mm -hmm. and like to Mm -hmm. to like to fight and to know your enemy is the same thing as intimately knowing them um and well i think a lot of that has to do with like the idea of gravity as a tool for fighting um like like if i'm not mistaken right like the 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 self ships can kind of manipulate gravity and that's how they fight am i wrong I think no, it, um, it depends on which one you're talking about. Yes. So, like, okay. Pluto's, the crew in Macula very heavily uses gravity. Okay. Um, the other ones use it more as, like, a movement thing. Okay. Um, but, and that's, that's part of what's cool about the characterization, too, though, is, like, because Pluto is seen as being so powerful and so perfect, like, and everyone always talks about how, like, yeah, you should be scared of the mech, but really, you should be scared of Pluto. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, so it kind of makes sense that, like, hers is the one that uses just, like, the pure force of her presence yeah, to and, do damage. And, and that's Pluto's kinda, mech that's is... I think, like, the intimacy and battle kind of, and, like, violence kind of thing that Jessica was talking about kind of comes into. It's just, like, that force. Like, she is a force. She's using a natural force like gravity um, in combat is also very intimate. She's drawing people and... in, you know? Her ship's ship bleh, 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 can't talk. <laughs> her ship self. God, that's hard to say. Ship self. There we yeah. go. Uh, her ship self is also it's by far the largest. Um, it's mm-hmm. the one that has the most control over gravity, and she can also like throw stars. Yeah. So like that. She can just, also core out a fucking moon. Yeah. So hers is kind of wild. But th- then you have like Lunaterra's, who Lunaterra her ship is almost more i mean they're all very humanoid in how they look they're more like mechs than ships really mm-hmm. um but lunaterra's kind of more... looks like a cat yeah saturn's looks like a cat um saturn's is called what is it uh the string, string of, of pearls, pearls. Yeah, string of pearls yeah and lunaterra's is uh the chrysium mare or mare chrysium um, yeah and it looks kind of almost more like a deer um and lunaterra is supposed to re- represent more and you can kind of even get this when you look inside their ship because like the picture is generally them and like in the cockpit uh lunaterra is a lot more like fighter piloty looking like because she has yeah. like that vet- veteran backstory and it's um, yeah and it's an older it's an older model too um, yeah that you find out is uh failing actually in yeah. her story uh, whereas Pluto's, Pluto's almost is like, it's like a strange cockpit. It doesn't even look like a cockpit. It's almost more like temple-esque. Because like there's like mm-hmm. ivy in the background and stuff. And just like you see like a red chair. Uh, you don't see yeah. like the buttons and gadgets and gizmos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I think the implication there too is that it's very heavily controlled by like her. Yeah. Like there's even a part that talks about like that the the crew in Macula was designed before any of its things even actually like were invented Mm -hmm. um so it was like from the start meant to be like this sublime machine Mm -hmm. um which is why they needed someone like pluto for it man i feel like yeah it's it's funny we talked about like oh let's talk about the relationships and now i feel like we're just like backtracking but it's interesting it's cool stuff well and i feel Um, like i feel like it's all related to the relationships because i think the relationships between them and the mechs are like relationships yeah. Like, yeah. the way that you see, like, like the way that Pluto versus Lunaterra versus Saturn feel about their ship selves is, like, really, it is, like, a personal relationship. And it's also, like, it's, like, a, a relationship with themselves, kind of, too, but also with, like, their past and shit. 
Like, this game is all relationships, um, mm. honestly. Like, everything about it is relationships. Because yep. um, it's the relationships between the pilots, it's the relationships between the pilots and the ship cells, and it's also each of them has, like, a member of their faction that they talk to frequently in between missions. And, like, it's about those relationships, too. Well, it's also um, about, like, their relationships to Earth and space and, like, the relationship between Earth and space, like, if we want to get really I- deep into it. And just, like, how they all feel about each other. You know? Well, and I think it's, like, also, like, their own, um, I guess, like, ideas on their, their like, what role they play in humanity and mm-hmm. how much humanity means to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. So, I guess just because I know, like I said, I know we were going to segue into the, the relationships, but this game is all relationships, so I feel like whatever. Um, but I did want to bring up that article, and I am going to link it, and I wanted to bring up, like, the way that the mechs are more humanoid um, and also, like, because uh, we, we talked a little bit about how um, anime was one of the biggest influences in this game um, and kind of 80s sci-fi. But uh, I, I think there's a part in this article as well where they talk about the male rivalries in um, in anime and like like these big like yeah. Gundam-esque shows like are almost kind of sexually charged. And that's not yeah, something that you really... Yeah, they're homoerotic. They are, absolutely. Um, you know, and like that's part of the reason why the mechs in those shows like are humanoid is because it makes it feel more like when when you see if you just saw like a giant like robot car type thing like dodging out of the way of a blow, it doesn't feel as intimate and as high stakes as when you see two giant humanoid like you know machines going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they just talk about like kind of that homoerotic charge and how you don't really see that in a lot of uh, you know. I guess like lesbian stories and they wanted to do that. And I think they did a fantastic job with it because a lot of, um, a lot of those stories. Yeah. It's even the intimacy, it's kind of more like tender. Um, it's not as messy and heaven will be mine. Embrace the messiness. I really like how they were able to make those like intimate feelings, like tangible and physical. Um, in a way that feels like very representative and true. Well, I think it's also like interesting that we never actually see the conflict. Like usually, there's a couple like mm-hmm. there, and then like it's just a still. You know, it's just a still screen. It's not like we don't see them fight. It's all described, mm-hmm. and I think that actually helps lend to the intimacy of it. Um, is because they can kind of, sh- uh, Av can kind of shape how we picture the combat in a way that mm-hmm. makes it more intimate. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think it's interesting. Um, Cause yeah, there's not, you don't actually, you have no control over any fights. You essentially make the choice whether you want to win or lose, but like you don't actually fight. Like you don't do anything. You just read about it. Um, yeah. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I think it, we've had the conversation before of, you know, like, like what like we like uh sorry like game of the decade we were talking about how like you know night in the woods doesn't really vibe for you because it's like you know just kind of mini games and walking mm-hmm. um and i feel like this game is a good argument for like why visual novels are games just in the sense that like if like you couldn't get this experience from a book no. right like it it I has agree. to be interactive yeah um and like you couldn't yeah like like the making of the choice is like what 
I think makes it like impactful. And then also like what you said of like, like the reading about it is something that I don't think that you could get from a game with like a cutscene. No, you know, I totally agree. Um, I think that if they did have a cutscene, it would feel it would feel weird and like not. I think pandering is the wrong word, but it's the only word that comes to mind. Um, so I don't, I don't like I said, I don't think that's the right word that I want to use. Um, it would feel it wouldn't feel genuine if it was an actual cutscene. It wouldn't feel as authentic. That's what I wanted to use. Yeah, pandering because I think I. Word. Yeah, I think it's like it's I normally apply this to horror more, but I think like applying the player's imagination in that space is Mm -hmm. so much more powerful than directly Mm -hmm. showing Mm -hmm. something. And so I do think it's that combination of like inactivity and interactivity that really makes the experience special. Is this the game that you were said you had an argument for against my argument for Night in the Woods? No, it's actually a different one. Okay. Um, Well, and I think but I do think this applies. I think this game also couldn't be something as simple as like, uh, or not as simple because that sounds dismissive, but I don't think that it would lend itself well to be a book or even like a web comic or comic or something like that just because um, that little bit of interactivity is great. Yes. And then also I will jump back to the first thing I said about this game, which is the UI um, Mm -hmm. is just so good. And I feel like this is something that has to be almost like, it feels weird calling it like mixed media because it's a game. So it's not quite, but also it is, but like you need that minimal, like you, you need that UI, you need like the art, you need the, I don't know. It just, it works well. And even like the, the hub where you like choose what mission you're going to go on next um, is not like mm-hmm. anything like crazy. Um, I don't know. There's not like a million choices. It's not like there's really like this big like menu and you, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's not anything that's yeah. like wildly massive, but um, you have like one person who you chat with um, depending upon what character you pick. So I played Pluto. So Mars was the person who I talked to. Um, you have emails that come in. You have this little grid that lets you kind of see where your alignment is as far as what faction you're um, supporting. Um, and it's it's very simple, but just like the whole thing has that sort of like 80s computer vibe. The color palette really just works with, with the vibe. Um, I don't know. And I feel like having that little bit of interactivity um, along with like the computer screen, like read it, you know, like print as far as like what you're, I don't know. It's cool. It just, it works well and it puts you in the right mindset to kind of uh know what you should be imagining when you read these descriptions and mm-hmm. it's cool i you you need all of that this game this had to have been a game yeah yeah no, so, i totally agree and i think um, it had to be a game in this format yeah yes because like i said I, if it was if it was you know even a double a game like i think it would have lost some of some of its uh genuineness its authenticity yeah um it's this was the suitability to type was uh very high with with how they did this game they had this idea it was executed i think very like flawlessly as far as uh how they wanted it to be i don't i mean i don't know like i'm not that i'd maybe they had different ideas but (laughs) to me it just seems like um like this was the best way to kind of make this project um, yeah. I, I can't imagine doing anything else with it and getting sort of the same um, emotional response or, or delivering the same like type of story. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we should actually talk about the really like the personal or like well, the. So 
yeah, I feel like we should jump into our experiences because we've talked a lot yeah, about exactly. the games without like spoiling like full blown, you know, like plot points. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that so our topic was the messiness of relationships and having to deal with differing boundaries, histories and beliefs. Yeah. Uh, this is the part of the show where we're, we're going to talk about um, our personal experiences with this topic or this question, this issue. Uh, this one's kind of more just like a broad topic. Um, we also normally will have listener questions and comments and stories. Um, we're not going to have it this episode just because this was kind of like a surprise bitches. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, next time we will take some questions. Um, and you'll, you guys will know the game beforehand and stuff. Uh, but yeah. So this one, we said we we kind of the next, we have the next ones kind of laid out on what we want. Yeah. So um but yeah so this one's kind of a little bit different in that but we are still going to talk about our personal experiences so um as always we kind of start with our guest so caitlin um if you kind of want to talk about you know you can either talk about like why this game resonates with you as far as you know and, and be as vague as you'd like with your personal experiences or you know, this can be therapy and you can let it all out. <laughs> so you kind of get oh, the freedom God. to decide what you would like to do. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Well, so I think the reason that this game was so resonant for me is kind of what I talked about earlier of talking to Avi and having her talk about like the fact that there are not a lot of media properties that show queer people as adults, like, like, being normal i don't know sounds weird and like centrist but like you know just like having like living lives as adults um because so much of our media is showing you know like coming of age coming out stories and stuff like that and you never really see people like as adults um and that resonates with me a lot because when i was in college i did uh, a lot of work with this queer youth group um and the whole point was like showing them adults who are queer who are fine you know who are like it wasn't the end of the world they're doing well they're positive role models and stuff like that and I don't think that Saturn or any of them are like positive role models per se but I do think it's really important to show that like queer people grow up and like how that impacts you especially Avi was talking a lot about the fact that like her and a lot of the people that she knows like didn't expect to be 30 they didn't expect to make it that far so like what the fuck do you do now um and I think having that kind of media that shows like yeah you can be queer and 30 and like what does that look like like you know giving people like a glimpse of a future I think is really cool and I think this game does that really really well especially leaning into the messiness of the relationships of showing like yeah these are adult queer people who aren't sanitized like they're not you know wearing button-ups and having perfect jobs and being perfect people like they're still humans or pseudo humans depending who you know have complicated relationships with their past and with the people who are kind of stand-ins for their parents and like with their friends and their exes and like and the people who are both friends and exes. Um, and I think well, that's just really powerful and like something that we don't see a lot. Absolutely. And I would say a lot of times in media, I feel like there are very much like two stories told with um, gay romances. And that's either you have like the coming of age adolescence 
uh, story, or you do have like these basically like sugar mommy, sugar daddy stories. Oh, and like sometimes a blend of you know it's or it's like a blend of thing where it's like a much older like lesbian woman like falls in love with a younger like coming of age and like dealing with that like you it's always one or the other you know what I mean like you don't really have like any sort of equality between the two characters or like any sort of stability always have tragedy always Mm. yes (laughs) (laughs) um so it is it's very different and then I also think like this is. And it's it's hard. You have to like walk a line with this because like it's nice to like. Uh, I'm trying to think of the way to word this. Um, you know, we want at least like in in my opinion, and I think this is kind of like a general want is like you want things to be explicitly gay, not of none of this like queer baiting, like weird. You know what I mean? But at the mm-hmm. same time, at the same time, like when like in in heaven will be mine, it's never. The central drama of the story and, like, the tensions comes between the relationships. It's not because they're gay characters. It's not because yeah. a couple of the characters are alluded to as being, like, trans. Um, it's it's just, it's... Yeah, that's it, what just matters, part of it. That's just part of it. It's what matters are the, the relationships and the tension and the differing ideolo- ideologies. It's not, um, I don't know, it's, it's different than a lot of, a lot of stories. Yeah, well, is treating is treating queer characters as fully developed characters and not yes. just the gay in the room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I could definitely understand why that would resonate with you, Caitlin, because <laughs> you know, I <laughs> no, I just I I mean that more as like I know that you get frustrated with a lot of um, how these stories are told, and I do too, because some of it's bullshit. A lot of it's bullshit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question for you then, Caitlin, is have you ever had to deal with a relationship where you had very differing histories or beliefs or boundaries? Um Yeah, well and I think I think the thing that resonates with me a lot is like the the interacting with people from like who you have a history with. Mm. Um because I have I have an ex who is one of my very dear friends still. Um, and we've just been through a lot together and seen a lot of each other's lives, um, and a lot of the ups and downs. And so, like, interacting is always really interesting because, like, you know, obviously there's a lot of love there. There's still, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak in the past. There's a lot of just all kinds of things. So it's really weird navigating that, but, um it's very worthwhile um because that person still means a lot to me um and so yeah so like that part of it really resonated with me if like you know the the different aspects of like there being romantic tension still or there being like unresolved issues still or you know we've kind of had all of those moments in our relationship and friendship um and so that's the part that really has stuck out for me personally I guess yeah god that's funny it just reminds me of like oh this um i don't know and this isn't even a romantic relationship thing but like that's the thing is on this show we don't it doesn't necessarily have to be confined to that um but i just recently had like an interaction with a friend who um who left me a voicemail i was like i was in san francisco at the time actually and uh kind of talked about how you get older and 
you make new friends, but you don't quite have the history with them and they don't know what you were like at your messiest. They don't know what it took to get to the point that you're at now. Um, they don't know. I don't know. They like It's, it's amazing even when, you know, cause her and I have both grown up and I'm not going to say grown apart because I don't think that's true. Like I'm still very close friends with them. Um, even if we don't talk as much as we should, but, um, I don't know. We we have very differing lives. Um, we both chose very differing, I guess, routes and ways to go about living life. Um, what we want out of life is very different. But we have that. I mean, I've known her for 10 plus years. You know, we have like that shared history. And just that and having that connection, it's crazy how much that, how much weight, I guess, that holds in, in a relationship how much pull there is there um even when you know as people you change so much uh having that shared history is really something <laughs> you know you can it, it makes you yeah. feel kind of alone when you when you aren't well, around think, people who have that and i think that really exemplifies like what you just said is is the concept of gravity and culture in this game right yeah like yeah. having connections to people is weight like and it is something that holds you down to the world that you're in and to the reality that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, that applies personally, but it also applies, like, broadly to, like, the relationships that we as, like, a society have to each other and stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um... Yeah, I even think about it from that perspective. Um, I was thinking it more, like, on, like, a macro level as far as culture but like the individual relationships yeah definitely define what life is and what reality is for us um as far as me personally like i guess from a romantic sense like i'm still good friends with all but one of my exes um like i'm at least cordial with them like we're acquaintances most of them are acquaintances like we talk occasionally um and that's just i i've always had a mentality of dating dating people of like uh whenever the relationship ends um not to regret it because i learned something from it um even if it's something so small um and so i kind of think that helps me maintain relationships with people i was romantically involved with um and yeah i mean one of my one of my exes i mean was invited to jess and i's wedding she her and her fiance couldn't come out um but we're invited to their wedding like like yeah we're still like we're still very cordial and like she ended up dating one of my best friends like a few years after we dated and came to me and was like they both came to me like is this cool I was like yeah go for it like that's you guys like this is your life like i we're not involved i have no say over this like i appreciate the acknowledgement like the asking like that means a lot but like you guys are free to live your life um and as far as like differing opinions and like boundaries and stuff like that i mean like even with friends um 
some of my friends and I have very, very different opinions on religion, or even one of my friends in particular, we have very differing opinions on politics. And uh, it's just something we don't really talk about. Um, because we understand that, like, we're each entitled to our opinion. Um, even though with politics, it's a little bit harder, especially nowadays. Um, but, like, with religion, like, they find comfort in that. They find, um, they find strength in that, and that, that works for them. Um, and they understand that that's not for me. Um, and that's always been my big thing with religion is, like, as long as you don't try to recruit me, I'm good. Like, we're fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of, like, we don't talk about it because our relationship and our friendship is more than just one thing that defines us. It's the culmination of so many things. Um, yeah. And it, like, as far as what Jessica was saying, like, shared history of like just length of friendships like i have one friend that i've been friends with since like the seventh grade um we were the best man at each other's wedding like um and we've both changed dramatically um since we since we knew each other um but we we find ourselves constantly if we want to keep the space thing like constantly in orbit around each other um we talk a couple times a week um and we just we know each other we know each other so well that when you know life gets busy or one of us is just in a depressive episode where we don't want to talk like we understand and we keep reaching out and saying hey and checking in until we come out of it and then we talk and explain what was going on um so it's just we know we get it like we resonate with each other on that level just because we've known each other for so long um, yeah i am i'm gonna pull out my my little i don't even know it's not a soapbox i don't I, i'm but i do want to take like a break right here to say that like i really do believe that regardless of shared history um or like familial bonds or anything like that uh, because i feel like I have almost and like and what I was saying and then what Andrew's saying, I don't want to say romanticize or like overvalue like the importance of like a shared history and like having like these connections for a long time. That is really important. But also uh, I have had friends that like I've just drastically changed from. And sometimes you also have to like cut people out if they become toxic or make you feel bad about like how you're yeah. like the, the, how how your life is different so like that. So mm-hmm. I just want to say right here and maybe people listening like you're not even you you know this but um i don't know i feel like not enough times people stress that it's really important to where like even if you've had a friend for 15 years they make you feel like shit about yourselves or if you have just grown so incredibly far apart that you feel alienated or like hurt by them or something like that like it's totally okay to like take a break from those friendships or to end them as well or relationships yeah no for I, sure i think that's really important to say um because i've definitely done that um one of yeah, my, just my oldest friend, him and I don't really talk anymore, and it's not because we did anything wrong. It's just uh, he's busy. He literally lives on the opposite side of the country, and I got tired of reaching out and never hearing from him um, and him never reciprocating. Um, yeah. 
that's like a huge thing too is if you have somebody who just doesn't put in the effort like it's totally fine to to be like i'm i'm over trying this right now and like yeah i just don't have the bandwidth for it and yeah if he were to reach out then yeah like we would be totally fine but like i can't keep reaching out it's not it's not worth it for me right now um and there's there's other there's something like thinking about what y'all have said too of like like my most recent ex right like we had issues with our boundaries and our feelings on certain things and it resulted in having to walk away Mm -hmm. because we didn't line up on those things and it wasn't anybody's fault it just you know it wasn't working and i i feel like it's hard because like it was it was only a six-month relationship, but the connection was very intense, and it did feel very, like, like knowing someone for a long time and being very close. Um, and so then it's it's hard when you yeah. have to walk away from that um, and just kind of deal with the aftermath of it, mm-hmm. especially when you can't make anybody the bad guy, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just sometimes your shit doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important Absolutely. to acknowledge that and recognize that. I mean a lot of people when they hear people have broken up they're like oh well what happened and they're expecting uh negative feelings towards the other person those might be there but not in the way that they want um it might just be it didn't line up and i think some people have a hard time understanding that uh I think more than anything, like, that, that is the thing, though, right? Like, people always want, like, the grand story or, like, the infidelity or the, you know, like, the, the juicy stuff. But it's, like, more often than not, like, all of that stuff is just a symptom of people who didn't line up, who yeah. weren't in sync, who just, something didn't work. There was something there that was wrong, you know? And, like, I don't know. I think that's that's the thing is there just needs to and and maybe that's why it's important to be somebody who reflects on like your feelings and your relationship and and how you how and and, like i mean this in friendships and family relationships and love um just how like you're being treated how you're treating your significant other and like knowing where your heart's at um before you know you get you end up with the giant mess Mm -hmm. um because you know like caitlin you you know understanding like hey this is where i'm at in life this is where my partner's at in life you know these are my beliefs and boundaries these are theirs like you know when you can be mature enough and strong enough to kind of like evaluate that and figure out your next steps before something horrible happens you know because that's the thing is like these (laughs) things they always surface eventually you know what i mean like whether it's a year down the road or 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road whatever you know like I don't know. I think it takes a lot of strength to like reflect and be like, you know, I, I this is where I'm at. I got to I got to sever or do my own thing. Anyway, I think that that might be this is normally where we'd have some like listener questions, comments, stories, but like I said, yeah. we don't have those this time. Um, but, but we, we will. stealth dropping bitches. <laughs> Hell where yeah. we dropping boys. <laughs> In your podcast but- feed. That's where <laughs> and you might see some changes to the format of the show um this is this is our this is our first time back obviously in a, like a year and a half um and we're we're figuring this out we're getting the ball rolling um we i'm not gonna announce what our next one's going to be you guys are just gonna have to be surprised i mean not too surprised it won't be like a stealth drop and, and you won't know anything about it like this one but um we'll wait until it's a little bit closer because this is a monthly thing yeah um but yeah, so I think that does us for this show. Um, Caitlin, where can people find you on the internet? 
Uh, well, if you want to make that terrible mistake, uh, you can find me on Twitter at CGN8Rs. And you can find me on Twitter at Jessicogs, J-E-S-S-A-C-O-G-S. Andrew, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Cogs the Well. Cogs the Well. Yes. Uh, no eight R's in that one or any weird spellings. I feel like yours is pretty straightforward. <laughs> Mine is. My brain's a mess. <laughs> but. Yeah, but yours is also like the easiest one to find. Yeah, it is. True. Okay. Uh, Kiss Kiss Game Game is a product of Uppercut, which you can find at uppercutcrit.com, over on Twitter at uppercutcrit, or on Patreon at patreon.com slash uppercutcrit. If you'd like to hang out with us and our friends, you can join our Discord server, which I will link in the show notes. We'd like to give a huge thanks to Caitlin Galiz-Rowe for coming on today. And this is normally the part where I'd thank everyone who shared their stories, questions, all of that. Um, because Kiss Kiss Game Game is a show all about connections and vulnerability. And we thank you for extending us both, always. And last but not least, we would like to thank our Patreon producers. You can become a Patreon producer by pledging $7 or more um, on patreon.com slash uppercutcrit. And we will read the na- your name at the end of every podcast episode as a special thank you. So this month's patrons are... Abnormal Mapping, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Andrew Rivera, uh, Carlos Meja, is that right? Mejia. Mejia. Uh, Chris Nelson, Colton Crow, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Matthew Flowers, Mikey Phillips, Numair, Philip Villar, Quentin Hoffman, and Sean Martin. So thank you guys so much for supporting us at that level. We appreciate it. It lets us do shows like this and gives us a little bit more bandwidth. Um, So yeah, thank you guys so much. And that wraps us up. Um, We we love you, everybody. And we're back. And we'll see you again next month for a new episode. Also, like, Real quick, our new theme music slaps. Like I just want to so say, it's so good. That. Yeah, it fucking it's so good. It, Hazel rules. Hazel rules. Hazel thank, fucking rules. Thank you, Hazel, for our new In theme. In fact, um, that's all I wanted to say. I just want to recognize that. This is where we'll be playing it again right now. Actually, as we kind of fade out. So yeah. uh, I hope y'all are enjoying that, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.